You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Good evening, Rob. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alrighty, just to introduce you again, this is Rob Towell, we're chatting to at the moment, Portfolio Manager at Sassman Securities with the view from the market. So, Rob, well, firstly, thank you for joining us. And secondly, why did you break the market? Everything's red. Yes, yeah, sir. We started up half a percent uh, in the morning and uh, we just leaked down most of the day. Very, very thin volume to start. I think we did about uh, 50% of the volume in the last hour. Wow. So once the print came out from the U.S. on uh, some of the retail sales numbers, we started to see some volume and the market just you know, faded away throughout the day and then quite aggressive selling at the end. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I saw some data points coming out today as well. Um, I mean, industrial production, capacity utilization, obviously the retail sales numbers as well. And most of them look somewhat in line, maybe even slightly better than anticipated. I'm unsure that I understand the, the very adverse negative reaction to that. So I think just generally the inflation uh, uh, narrative has been a little bit weaker. So you've seen commodity prices come off quite a bit. Uh, we saw gold come off. So, you know, mining led a sell-off in our market today. So mining was down 2.2% in the resource 10. So that's really where the pain came today. Uh, you know, we've got the Fed meeting this evening and everybody's waiting to see you know, if there's going to be some tightening. Uh, you know, I think people are just going to be taking a bit of money off the table before that Fed meeting. We've got a public holiday tomorrow. And then there's futures close out, which is on Thursday. So I think there was a little bit of uh, maneuvering around uh, the holiday and futures close out on Thursday and then the Fed meeting. So, yeah, the prints were not too bad on the, re- on the say, retail sales number in the States. It was weaker than expected. Uh, but you start to see the spending move from goods back into services. So you see restaurants moving up. So quite a different uh, way of spending as we come out of the pandemic. So it's quite interesting to watch that as well. Yeah, and I just want to touch on futures closeout coming up. I think, you know, after the, I was, I was chatting to one of my colleagues a, a bit earlier today, um, you know, and, and after the previous futures closeout, I mean, as we know, this happens every quarter, right? Every three months. Um, after that futures closeout, it seemed as though there was a sort of quite a bit of buying into the into the locals, right? And locals just for uh, a, a definition: banks, financials, uh, you know, local retailers, local sort of industrials, um, particularly banks and retailers, right? So there'd been quite a bit of flow into those sectors uh, after the th- previous futures closeout. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, after Thursday, does that flow stop? Does that reverse into something else? Um, you know, I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts around that. We've seen a little bit of, you know, obviously commodities and gold stocks and stuff are very positive. I mean, very, you know, favorable or favored uh, during some portion of last year. But it seems as though there's a little bit of rotation out of that into the local stocks. So I think uh, our local stocks, which are mainly South African driven, um, are not priced for recovery that much in, in, in COVID and the opening of the economy. So they're quite well, well priced if you think that they would get back to their normal margins and normal revenue numbers. So there is value in them if you expect a recovery out of COVID. So I do think money is flowing back into SA Inc. and maybe out of the commodities as China tries to, uh, you know, uh, keep commodity prices a little bit lower. We saw that copper is at a a seven-week low at the moment. Um, And some of the gold is also back down. So people taking money out of the really good profitable trades in commodities and definitely moving back into uh, banks and into the retailers. And as I said, if you, if you go back to pre-COVID levels of margin on the retailers, they're not looking overly expensive. So, you know, it is worth uh, taking a look at them and maybe you want to buy them into your recovery. 
Yeah, and maybe add some uh, some of the sort of clothing retailers and so on, or non-food yeah. retailers, if you will, uh, into the portfolio. Yeah, Petco's earnings are very good. Uh, you know, they're growing very well. Um, they've got very good uh, uh, bottom-up fundamentals. So, you know, Pep is looking good. You saw really good print from Fashini as well. Um, so, you know, if we do get a continued recovery, um, our retailers are, are a place to look for uh, some type of growth. All right, maybe a bit of a left-field question, but um, it's been announced that we have a family meeting with old Uncle Cyril this evening. Um, actually, let me say President Cyril Ramaphosa. Um, I mean, what are your expectations? I've seen some documents flying around, um, you know, people expecting you know, the, the whole alcohol industry is going, we'll let you know as soon as we know. Right? Um, I mean, what do you think the, do you have any expectations of further lockdown? I know, you know, um, and if so, how do you think that's going to impact our market, if at all? So I think that the, the COVID numbers, especially in Cal 10, have been uh, very high. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a tightening of the lockdown this evening. Uh, whether alcohol gets closed or not, it'll be interesting to see. I think maybe gatherings will be closed. Maybe, you know, nightclubs will be closed. So impact on, on alcohol, but maybe not alcohol, um, you know, bottle stores and liquor stores totally closed. So I don't think they'll go to that extreme. Uh, maybe shortening of the hours slightly, but I don't think uh, a stopping of selling alcohol, but maybe, you know, nightclubs, restaurants, maybe a tighter curfew as well. Yeah, and I think that on, on-premise on consumption restriction is probably going to be the biggest one, which is going to hurt restaurants again, hey? Yeah, um, no, the service sector, which has just really been hammered, but unfortunately the numbers are really high and probably needs to be done. Um, I think on the retailers themselves, I think it'll be short. Uh, it won't be too impactful on you know, on the on shop rights, um, you know, spa with tops. I think it'll be a relatively short lockdown as well. We can't get uh, the vaccines going through. So I don't think it'll impact too much on the retailers. And it might give you opportunity to actually enter them um, if there is a, a slight uh, more restriction on the lockdown. All right. Okay. I mean, I guess there's a bright side to everything, right? <laughs> if the market comes off a little bit, it gives us an opportunity to buy. And I think value Absolutely. has been a bit of a bit of a theme. I want to shift, and I, I know that this inflation thing is getting a bit long in the tooth now. Everybody's talking about it, right? But uh, I see that uh, Kyle Bass, who's a, like a billionaire investor, um, you know, says that the actual inflation number in the U.S. is closer to twelve percent. Um, I don't know what you make of that. Well, I think, it, you know, you take a look at, at the basket that you buy. I think if uh, the average person that goes to buy food in South Africa, the inflation is much higher than the general inflation, uh, you know, when the CPI number comes out. And obviously, you know, I don't know what Carl Bass is used for his inflation, but if it's your general, uh, you know, basket of goods that you buy on a daily basis, it probably is higher than the, the real inflation. Now, you've seen oil come up quite a bit over over the last year, so that's increased inflation. Um so, the, you know, there is inflation pushed generally um, across all industries. Some of that inflation is because there's just logistical problems and people are putting prices up, which, you know, the Fed is saying is going to come back down. And that's really the question. These big jumps in inflation, is it because of logistics and a, and a, and a, a loggerhead of the supply chain? Both uh, getting stuck in canals and that sort of thing. Correct. And is it going to, you know, reduce in the next uh, two months? And if it does, uh, I think that will be, you know, uh, what the Fed is saying, and I think you know markets will recover. If it doesn't recover from there, 
you know, that is, that's the question that everybody's waiting for, to see, you know, is this inflation transitory or not? So, I mean, on that note, can we really expect any tightening moves from the Fed with the FOMC sort of currently ongoing and, and expected to, to, you know, the minutes to be released tomorrow? Um, I mean, is there really any case for us to... I, yeah, I think they'll be benign. I, I think that they can't make a call before they can see if that inflation is... Uh, more sticky than it is. So I think it'll be a relatively benign uh, meeting this evening. Yeah, so it's going to be one of those um, just focus on which words did they change, a whole four of them kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You read into the small little uh, paragraph yeah. to see what they've changed. All right, and then I want to move a bit closer to home, but also abroad. Process. Uh, Process agreed to buy a majority stake in European online employee training platform. Uh, Good Habits, I think it's called, for 212 million euros, which is about $257 million. Um, I mean, they're pushing hard into education at this stage. Uh, and there's a couple of things we can talk about here. One, I guess another acquisition is is pretty exciting. Uh, two, there's quite a bit of shareholder pushback on this uh, share swap that they want to do. Yeah, so there is a pushback on the share swap. And, you know, people are saying, have they really added value um, with the acquisitions uh, after selling ten cents, now ten cents. I think they sold ten cents at four hundred dollars, and now six hundred dollars. Um, so you know, on a you know, and what they bought hasn't moved up to the same degree as ten cents has. So it's been a poor allocation of cash. Um, but you know, online education is a, a very good sector. We like that sector. We think long term education online is definitely going to be a growing sector. So we like the acquisition, um, and we think it's a you know a better place to be than on food delivery. So we like that acquisition. Um, shareholders will have to, you know, uh, you know, look at the acquisition in closer detail. We haven't got all of the details from it, but we like that um, that acquisition, and it's a good sector of the market to be in. Uh, definitely growing sector. If you saw last year, it was one of the best performing sectors uh, when, it, when there were lockdowns and everything closed up. So a good acquisition for them, and let's see, you know, if they can get um, some added value from from that acquisition now. Yeah, that sort of rings a few bells. There's a, um, I mean, there's a huge issue with education inflation, right? The cost of education, particularly in the U.S., where the price of going to university has gotten almost crazily expensive. You know, student debt, I think, was a big theme uh, in the well. 2019 was a, it was a lot. You know, 2020, obviously, COVID took over everything, but. In 2019, student debt and debt forgiveness and that kind of thing was a sort of a big theme that was uh, being spoken about a lot, uh, particularly in the U.S. Um, and I think that, you know, these online education platforms stand a chance to, to push some of these major universities out. Um, what do you think the chances are of an online provider of, you know, online sort of education provider uh, partnering with the university? Or do you think that it's more likely universities will develop their own platforms? I think it'll be a bit of both. I think that you know some of the big universities will already have their own their own platforms. I think I see Harvard's actually gone online as well, uh, but some will be from these uh, from the the providers themselves. These new platforms. Uh, I think they will. You know, a partnership will always work well because then people are happy to know what content they're getting. Um, you know, until a platform has got you know ten or fifteen years of uh, qualifications going through, it's difficult to build a track record. So it's much easier to partner with the university already. But also where it takes place is that schooling online is quite interesting. And, you know, if you can't get uh, schooling online or if you're in a very, very poor area around the world or in a poor part of South Africa where there's really poor schooling, but you've got internet, you can now get a quality education. So I think it's going to be very disruptive, and I think that governments are going to have to look at it very closely. 
Um, but I think it's a very interesting sector to be in. And it can be very disruptive to the schooling system as well as the universities. So, so this leads me to ask a little bit about, uh, you know, the likes of Kira Holdings, right? Um, I mean, we know that they are... Uh, they've done tremendously well. They've grown immensely from just a few private schools to having, you know, many, many, many thousands of, of uh, sort of learners that they that they teach at their various schools, um, as well as different sort of offerings for different price points in the market, right? Um, you know, are they maybe missing the bus by not jumping on the online schooling thing as much as possible? Is that model of still expanding and building physical schools viable if you think, you know, 20 or 30 years forward? Um, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think during COVID, you saw lots of private schools go online already, so they had to have some type of platform. I think a lot of schools used, you know, the Google Classroom, um, but all of the content was their own, all of the teaching was their own teachers. So I think it will be uh, mixed. And I think, yes, really huge uh, properties will probably be less and less, and you'll, you'll have a hybrid similar to how the office is going, where people are not going to the office every day. Um, but using a hybrid approach. And over time, it will get there. You know, children do need to exercise. They do need to have their sport as well. Um, so schooling won't go away on a physical level, um, but definitely it will be part of schooling in the next 20 years. Right, okay. Yeah, interesting Interesting times lie ahead, right? Um, uh, I think the world is changing very, very fast, and it's sometimes difficult to really sort of come to grips with, with how quickly things have changed in the last year. It's, it's uh, you know, it's been wild. Um, and then I guess my last sort of question that I want to ask you, and we're running out of a bit of time, um, in terms of market sort of thematics, right, um, tech has been massive over the last couple of years. Obviously now, um, you know, there's been a bit of a speed wobble or whatever the case is, and there's some concerns around valuations and that kind of stuff. But it seems as though uh, earnings in that space is starting to return and these tech companies just, you know, are not stopping. Um, I mean, is tech still a good investment for the next couple of years or are you thinking that we're sort of grossly overvalued and it's more of a value play now? Tech versus growth, I think. I mean, growth versus value is, is the real question and growth comes from, from tech stuff for the most part. Um, is that stra- trade still on, do you think? Or do you think it's time for uh, sort of so the value investor to shine? No, so I think that trade is still on. I think that uh, you have to be um, a little bit uh, more fussy about what tech you're buying. But if you take big tech like Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, that's still there. They're producing really good revenue, really good numbers, and they're still growing. Um, at $0.10 cents at Alibaba. Um, you know, before you could just, you know, pick an ETF or, you know, buy whatever new tech business was out there and you'd make money. I think that is past. You know, the companies have to be producing revenue now have to have a solid business model. So you can't just buy anything anymore in the tech space. But on the big tech side, it's still there, still great revenue. And, you know, regulations haven't caught up with them yet. And even though regulations are getting tighter, um, you know, it's just very difficult to duplicate Amazon, duplicate Google. They've got so much R&D and they're spending so much on other parts of the business uh, that it's definitely going to still be a growth sector. So you can't switch out of tech and into value and have no tech. So, yes, value is there. Always look for value, always look for good uh, industrial companies that have got good value, good business models, but you cannot be out of tech. Gotcha. All right. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Thanks very much. I appreciate your time this evening. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Thank you for the insights as well and a few stock tips here and there. (laughs) Really appreciate your time this evening. Uh, That was Rob Towell, Portfolio Manager at Sassfin Securities.